0: Grab a Bible and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Got this here. The letter to the Galatians chapter 5. Guess this is, a, this is a, a safe place to begin your study of the scriptures. If you've never studied the Bible, you could just—and you didn't bring a Bible. All you got to do is, is grab your device and Google Galatians 5, and the initials ESV as an English Standard Version. That'll be the translation I'm reading from. You're going to want to see the text for yourself. I'll do all the rest the letter to the Galatians chapter 5 beginning with verse 16 the translator heading reads keep in step with the spirit keep in step with the spirit and two comments before we begin number one if you're wondering if my theology has changed because I've shaved most of my beard off it hasn't (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking and I walked out of my bathroom after I did it thinking what have I done Uh, (laughs) don't worry Number two, (laughs) number two, guys, don't give up the fight, keep growing. Uh, Number two, a question, How, how do you reconcile the fact that although you are a Christian, speaking of those who identify as Christians, as believers, followers of Christ, although you are a Christian, you are still a sinner. How do you reconcile this? You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We are. Every church is full of sinners. Every individual who has ever confessed to be a follower of Jesus as Lord has a battle, has had and has a battle raging inside his or her heart in this life. And often, too often, that battle spills out into words and deeds contradicting our confession. We are, as it would seem, living contradictions simultaneously the old saying goes saint and sinner saint and sinner how do you reconcile this how do you reconcile you (laughs) and what does it mean what does it mean about you about us about christianity about christ has your sin has your sin ever made you question whether or not you are a christian as mine and the apostle Paul continues to press 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 he's he's challenging us in the way we think about the foundation of our relationship with God with namely with the Savior Jesus so would you look with me chapter 5 beginning with verse 16 I'll read them then pray you can follow along verse 16 18. The Apostle Paul writes, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do verse 18 but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law the very very words of God would you join me in a brief prayer that we might understand them father father your words are like a lamp that illuminates our world bringing truth and understanding into our darkness and ignorance so with just these few sentences shine light shine light speak into our hearts renew our thinking change our minds other pray you would grant life and health And maturity, as we listen to you speak, as we consider what you say, save us. Save us as we do what seems to be a foolish thing. Just listening. (laughs) Send your spirit, show, show us your son Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well. There was a, an apologetics professor, never had him, didn't take any of his classes, but he was known for it. He, he, he used to ask a great question when he when he uh, began his course to his students on apologetics. As he began his course, this this course on defending the faith, as he began the course, uh, he asked this question as his students grappled with the, the daunting task of defending their faith, wondering if they'd ever be able to have all the... Th- all the answers to all the questions they would encounter, the professor would begin his course by asking him this, what kind of monster are you? What kind of monster are you? He would explain in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a man, was, a man was enslaved by his sinful nature and increasingly could not escape it's terrible destruction. Uh, it was a story of duality. Two, two personalities. The moral of the story being that a man is inherently sinful. There's something about us. We're inherently sinful. But, but he explained, but in the story of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, it's not really the monster's fault. It's not the monster's fault in Frankenstein. Instead, instead some would say it's actually the mad scientist named Frankenstein. The monster wasn't named Frankenstein. The scientist named Frankenstein, some would say that it was actually Frankenstein, the scientist, who created the monster, Who is truly the monster. The monster in Frankenstein was inherently good, inherently good, made, made bad by external forces, as the monster reflects, and it didn't have a name in the original book. Frankenstein. As the monster reflected on himself in the original book, he said, I was benevolent and good. Misery made me a fiend. He says, make me happy, and I shall again be virtuous. Right? In other words, if if you make me happy, I'll be good. Hmm. Frankenstein is about a monster who is inherently good. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is about a monster who is inherently bad, which begs the question for us this morning what kind of monster are you? What kind of monster are you? By nature, good or bad? The answer to our question this morning is the latter. As the French mathematician, Pascal, who's was a Christian, so famously wrote, man is a monster. Man is a monster that passes all understanding. Man is a monster that passes all understanding. We are Dr. Jekylls and Mr. Hyde's, which to go back to the professor who taught apologetics, his point was that only Christianity, only Christians claim to be Jekylls and Hyde's only christian every other major system of belief faith claim to be frankensteins you can see well now he's teaching the apologetic students you want to you want to figure out where they where your debater is coming from your questioner is coming from, where you're defending the faith from every other major belief system and faith claims claims that we are frankensteins <laughs> essentially good corrupted by external forces but that's not It's not what Christians believe, what the Bible teaches. That's not what Paul writes here. That's not even your own personal experience, is it? No, no. We who believe are very familiar with the eternal, it's not eternal, thank God, internal conflict going on inside our souls today, a conflict often referred to as the Christian conflict for only Christians experience this. It's like, a, it's like a civil war going on inside us. There is this uneasy duplicity to our nature. As, as the Apostle Paul famously writes, so many of you will recognize this elsewhere. He says, he writes personally of himself, for I do not understand my own actions. No. For, I do not want, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So the Apostle Paul, speaking of himself, I have the desire to do what is right. Is this not our, all, all of our testimonies? I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's, that's Romans. He writes, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. man is a monster that passes all understanding what is going on inside your heart you're a saint but you're a sinner that's 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 what in part is behind what we considered last time we were in Galatians two weeks ago as the letter made a big transition turned the page so to speak and we began to draw conclusions to this radical message called the gospel what are we supposed to do with this thing called the gospel that we could be set free from the power and the consequences of our sin not by doing anything not by improving our lives not by changing course but by relying upon placing our trust wholly in what God has done for us, believe and receive forgiveness and life, righteousness not of your own, but of the God-man Jesus. Be set free, but, listen, but, don't be mistaken, Paul said two weeks ago. Don't be mistaken. You haven't been set free in order to be enslaved again to your monster. Uh, That's what he was saying. You haven't, all this hasn't transpired so that you can just go back and be a monster again. Verse 13, just prior, this is what we saw last time. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity to be a monster. <laughs> what is it? To devour each other. To feed your flesh. How do we do this? How how, how do we do this? How how do we not use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh? How do we how do we not feed our sinful natures and desires and passions and inclinations? Some, Some would have you believe that the path forward, the answer. The walk is lined with an ever-increasing list of rules. More and more do's and don'ts. Prohibitions. More instructions. Laws. Even biblical laws. Like like the Mosaic Law. Like, Like the Ten Commandments. And you might expect right here at this moment, Paul would say, but I say, keep the Ten Commandments. I say, and in a long list of rules. And they are going to find out, oh, this is so good. Come back next week. This is so good. I don't know if the sermon would be good, but the text is so good. You could just read on your own. He's going to say, it's obvious. He's literally going to say, it's obvious what we're not supposed to be doing. What does paul say instead look at verse 16. what does paul say he says but i say i say walk by the spirit walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh there listen there is a biblical answer to the question we have all been asking since chapter one if you, if you, if you, if you have, maybe you haven't been around here, so you're not asking the question, but maybe you've been around and you haven't been paying attention, so you're not asking the question. But anyone who is conscious for any of the other sermons at some point had been asking the question since chapter 1, verse 1, as we discussed two weeks ago in our yes, but no, da moment, right, In the last verse Uh, our our yes-but response to the scandalous offer of salvation for monsters like me and like you who are born, born enemies of God, by our very nature, more interested in ourselves than we are in Him and our Creator. At one moment, we're Dr. Jekyll's. The next, we're Mr. Hyde's. (laughs) You can be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. But, what am I supposed to do I know myself you know who you are don't we need rules I need some guidelines if you could just give me a rough sketch of what my life is supposed to look like in my heart and mind the life inside is supposed to be like Maybe a code of ethics wouldn't that be fun as a church we had our church coven, membership covenant these are the things we covenant to do together we agree to do these together as long as the lord has us and also here's a list of things we agree not to do <laughs> starting with like uh, i give cheap jokes like country listen to country music whatever <laughs> root for whatever your baseball team is i'm not gonna say that one Dutch that one i'm trying to like the angels this year i'm trying We know ourselves. That was, that was the problem in the last two weeks ago, in the last time we looked at this book. If I don't have a code of ethics in contact with consequences, even temporal consequences today, like it's going to happen to me now, not just in eternity, my new freedom will only prove to feed my inner monster. Take me off the leash, what does Proverbs say I'll go back to my vomit I think that's why so many of us fear freedom your own freedom and because you know yourself you're afraid of what everyone else is gonna do if you if you tell them they're free too isn't most of the time the rule the list of rules isn't for yourself of course I'm gonna do all the things on that list of rules the do's and the don'ts I'm worried about my neighbor That's why this is such good news for people like you and I who really, really, really because the Lord has intervened and changed us forever. We've been born again. I'm a different person than I was before. Not afraid of who I was before. I just thank God that I'm not that anymore. This is such good news because now we really, really, really want to please the Lord with our lives. I want to obey, but I feel like, and my feelings often for the first time, surprise, surprise, match reality. My, I feel like I am failing miserably. There's a biblical answer. There's a biblical answer to the question, what should we do? What next? Yes, but Paul says, You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. This is the biblical answer, then how shall I live? This is this defines the Christian, Christian's life. How can I live for the Lord? I have been given. The Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't sound satisfying to you yet, I'm going to try to make it really, really satisfying and make your heart soar. Because listen, this is the answer. You have been given the Spirit. So let me, let me make just two brief points this morning. Two brief points this morning from our text. Two points. Number one, the Christian life is a Holy Spirit-empowered life. The Christian life is a Holy Spirit-empowered life, not a rule-based life. And number two, the Christian life is a Holy Spirit victorious life. Holy Spirit victorious life. The Christian life is spiritually, powerfully, victoriously, abundantly life. Contrary to popular belief (laughs) or maybe even your last seven days personal experience as a war goes on within your soul as it has in mine so look with me number one the christian life is a holy spirit empowered life a holy spirit empowered life look with me again verse 18 verse 18 paul writes but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh stop it say what a promise this is black and white but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do this, whatever this means, This, do this, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, whatever the desires of the flesh would be, whatever that means. Listen, walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Start right there. There's a run-up to the reality in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. There's a run-up that's been going on, maybe you haven't perceived it, Because we're getting here, most all of the mentions and the, uh, uh, you might say, references to the Holy Spirit all come right here and following. They're all right here and following. But Paul has been building a subtle case. Listen, just listen. You've got to find it. Chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, let me ask you only this. He's making an argument. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, he says, are you so foolish? He's building an argument having begun by the spirit are you now being perfected by the flesh galatians 3:5 does what does he who supplies the spirit to you you have the spirit and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith Galatians three fourteen, so that Christ, in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. We got Jews and we got Gentiles, and the Jews are telling the Gentiles that you knew that need the Jewish con- conducts and uh, rules of conduct and laws. And he says, "Did you, re- did you uh, receive the blessings of Abraham that you might receive the promise of the Spirit through those laws or by faith?" Paul writes, Galatians 4, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Galatians 5, 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul's been making a point, and now it pays off. You have been given the Holy Spirit. If you've been wondering, yeah, but, the answer is you have the spirit the spirit of god god himself animating you god himself changing you as intimately as a surgeon works on your heart the holy spirit renewing you remaking you this phrase walk by the spirit this is a reference to the power the uh, uh, the power to live the christian life this is this is there is power to live the Christian life, to please Him, to obey Him, to be like Him, to be like your confession and profession as a follower of Jesus. I'm following Jesus, and look, I'm following Jesus. In Paul's mind, listen, in Paul's mind, even big words like justification, that we are, we are declared right before God, Justification and the Spirit go hand in hand. There aren't two things going on here. You have been justified, you have been given the Spirit. They go hand in hand. Why? Because we belong to the age of the Spirit. What does this look like now, the church age? We were seeing it. We, we actually interrupted our study of the book of Acts, the history of the early church, to study Galatians. And here we're reading about the Spirit. And what did we see? <laughs> Some would say the book of Acts is the book of the Spirit. This is the age of the spirit. Life in the spirit. Life in the spirit is the life of the Christian. Nearly it, it, nearly all of it imperceptible, not very spectacular. It's not like every morning you wake up, I'm walking in the Spirit, and then you walk over your, you know, whatever water and you just cruise through the house saying these wonderful godly things. No, if you're like me, you wake up and say, I don't believe anymore. And then you have to convince yourself to trust Jesus again. But that, that you want to say what the Christian life is like? The New Testament says, well, here's another way to describe it. Walk in the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. We're no longer under the curse and the power of the law. But we're not lawless. It's been written on our heart, and we're now empowered by God Himself. If the Christian life, listen, this is what Paul's getting at. This is all what I was making my point about being a monster. If the Christian life looks hard, If the Christian life feels hard if you say it's hard to be a Christian and I don't disagree though I would qualify that with you should see what it's like not to be a Christian but if but if it if the Christian life looks hard too hard we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves and isn't that the difference between the legalist, the one who's looking for the rules. And unfortunately, the anti-law person, the antinomian who says, I don't need any rules. My monster just gets to grow. But in between the two is the Spirit. And what does the Spirit do? It, when you ask us, what is this walk by the Spirit? Well, it looks just like everything we know about the Spirit, about the Savior, about the Father. What He's done, you might say, it's a gospel-shaped life. We have a walk about us. That's what happens when you are given the Holy Spirit, when you are regenerated. You are made new again. You're regenerated. You're born again. You have been reconciled. You've been transferred from one kingdom, the kingdom of this world, that's ruled by our flesh and our passions and our enemy, and you are transferred into this new kingdom, the kingdom of God, what happens? What happens? We, we have a, a swagger. We have a swagger about us. We live in, the, in a day in and day out movement and direction that is governed by the Spirit of God. I mean, it's gospelship. It's merciful. You, oh gosh, I'm not even going to get into it. All the, the list is there below this text. You could read it next week and prepping for next week's sermon. You get a, a swagger about you. Some of it is some of it's defined by humility. No longer think so highly of myself. Some of it is a a lack of and a growing lack of self-centeredness. I don't think about myself so much. There's a real freedom no longer do i walk into the room and wonder what everybody's thinking about me and not just because i know i don't have to worry about that because everyone's thinking about themselves they're so distracted with themselves that they're not thinking about me but i don't have to worry about what god's thinking about me either he sees me as he sees his son if the christian life looks too hard we we must remember that we're not called to live it by ourselves and 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 just one more point on this on this walking with just to be clear there's no compartmentalizing compartmentalizing, whatever you know what i mean (laughs) of our lives it's not like i'm a christian on sunday i'm a saint on sunday but i'm a sinner monday through saturday especially on friday (laughs) it's all life if you're asking the question since chapter one okay okay i am made and declared right by god only on account of this peculiar receiving grace that i would i would receive what jesus did i would i would take what he is offering at no cost to myself and with no demands no law that's condemning me anymore if i if i can do all that then what am i supposed to do What am I supposed to do all of life gets implicated even when I'm at the Angels game baseball game and I'm trying to figure out what they're doing (laughs) if in your struggle you feel as if there is no power to curb your flesh your what 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 was you by natural birth that these inclinations to rebel against God to think of yourself and not think of others to devour others Christian cannibalism right just going to eat each other up get everything we can out of everybody if you feel like it's hopeless i'm doomed to repeat this and and you know romans and paul's inner struggle is your you know your life verse (laughs) i don't do what i want to do and i do what i don't want to do what i hate if you feel like your sinful heart is indomitable listen the law listen The law was no match for your sinful heart. But here's the good news. Your sinful heart is no match for the Holy Spirit. Your sinful heart is no match for the Holy Spirit. Why would you go back to the law when you've been given the Spirit? Because you crushed the law. And I don't mean in a good way. You, You were crushed by the law. Just condemned you. Paul said earlier it's like a button don't push this and you push it it tells you I told you you would push it and you can't stop pushing it you just keep pushing that button and you keep pushing the button to the point in which you say I can't stop I can't stop and you just keep pushing the button but your sin is no match for the Holy Spirit read it again verse 16 But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the lusts of the flesh, the fallen nature that since Adam and Eve first rebelled, we inherited and it's now running through our veins. Listen, we... Listen, if you came here today and you're not a Christian, and you'd say, like in that apologetics class, I got an answer. Here's what's wrong with Christianity. I can prove it's not true. I I can prove it's not true because you still sin. Listen, listen. We do not deny that there's such a thing as a moral conflict going on inside my heart. And that I am simultaneously saint and sinner. But we do assert, we do assert That not only is it worse for us, this wanting to do what's right and this inability to do it, as John Stock called, irreconcilable antagonism going on in here, but listen, we also say, I have the Spirit of God. Slowly, He is changing me. Is it Tim Keller, one preacher? He said, This statement, this statement, this text, verse 16, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh if you walk by the Spirit. He says, This statement is filled with hope and affirmation. Even when we are falling into sin, we can say with Paul, and you should say this we can say with Paul, this is not the real me. That's not the real me, as I'm tempted. As I fall into sin, as I struggle with the passions that are alive in me, and I say no to things, but then I go back to those things, like a dog going, returning back and back and back again to my vomit. It's the monster rears its head. This is not any longer the real me. This is not what I really want to do. If we walk in, by the Spirit, I want God and I want His will in my life. Even when the war continues, that's what verse 17 and following. Look with me. Verse 17 and following, here it is again. Paul's saying it. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. These are most, some of the most, what you say? contemporary, applicable. You could say, uh-huh, yes, but, no, duh. Oh yeah, yep, this is me. For the desires of the flesh, verse 17, are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Listen, if the Christian life looks hard, we must remember that we are not called to live it by ourselves. By ourselves, our flesh runs rampant shot over Everything. could throw all the rules in front of it you want you're still gonna push the button there must be for the Christian an internal conflict if you don't have that conflict let me introduce you to the work of the Spirit which begins with salvation there's got to be that internal conflict. You got to have it. You got to have experienced this progressive sanctification, the Holy Spirit at work in me, changing me, transforming me. Slowly at times, rapidly at moments. He's called us to be holy. We are to live our lives dependent not upon rules, but on the keeping power of the Spirit, keeping ourselves securely tethered, united to the Spirit of Christ. Now at work in the members of my body. so we abide in Him. It's interesting. Listen. Oh, it's interesting. In the New Testament, when it talks about sinning, I don't know if you ever noticed this, when it talks about sinning, it's, it's not so much like you broke this rule and you broke this rule. It's, it, it talks about things like talks about things like don't grieve or quench the spirit don't resist the spirit don't don't lie to the spirit here's your list don't test the spirit when he prompts you respond Don't insult. Don't don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Just declare. Deny Him. In the New Testament, this is curious, in the New Testament, sin is not thought of primarily in terms of breaking a, a list of written prohibitions, but rather breaking our fellowship with the Spirit. We walk with the Spirit, and when we depart, when we deviate we break fellowship with the spirit who is carrying us along it is interesting as well if you haven't noticed yet we're at the end of almost at the end of galatians chapter five five chapters out of six and scholars nerds do this uh they count up how many times it the the book or paul writes things that god has done and how many times he asks us to do something. Im, uh, indicatives, things that, that God has done. And imperatives, we're, we're being called to do something. So far, we've had 29 gospel, you might call them, indicatives, things, things God has done for us. He's declared us righteous. He's saved us. Oh, you name it. He's, but there's only been 13 imperatives. And they're pretty much all coming up. This has all been about what God has done in us there's the New Testament the new covenant inner word principle when we're talking about what am I supposed to do the yes but the answer to the New Testament is what was anticipated in the old that God would write those laws on our hearts he'd write them on our hearts and we are not neutral we live you might say a third way between focusing on laws and focusing on our freedom, we're now filled with the Spirit. (laughs) Being under the law in the New Testament is not the way to overcome the desires of the flesh, like I got this list of rules hanging over my head. No, instead, the Spirit, of which our sin is no match, guides us shapes how we live what it means to be a christian is to live to walk by the spirit Mm. point number two very briefly the christian life is a holy spirit empowered life but listen the christian life is also a, a holy spirit victorious life look at that last verse there verse 18. That last verse right there. The Christian life is a Holy Spirit victorious life. Verse 18. But if you are led, there's a different word there. Did you see that? Walk by the Spirit. Now here, end of these three sentences, verses. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Listen, if resisting the flesh, if resisting your, your, your s- sinful impulses that continue to plague you, even as a saint, right? Aware that the Spirit's now empowering me. Paul makes one final comment right here before he jumps into long lists. Saying what he argues is obvious. One long list. He, he says, Rather than a list of rules, the law given to us to... Overcome the desires of our flesh through willpower. Now we find the Spirit actually carrying us along to victory. We're not talking about an imperative anymore. Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. And out the other corner of his mind he says, this is be led by the Spirit, you won't be under the law. You won't be under the law. (laughs) In contrast, it could be understood as an... uh, like some sort of equal battle, right? You might have walked away after verse 17. Like, oh, there's just this war going on inside me. It's a stalemate, this civil war going inside my heart where I want to do what's good, but I don't do it, and I want to do what's bad, and I do that. No, Paul says there isn't an equal battle going on in here at all. If you are hopeless, listen, Paul now stresses, just by the change, just a little trick of the hand, just one little word, stresses that the Spirit is the victor. For the Christian. Paul's urging us to walk in the Spirit. But now, in the same way, Paul speaks of a manner in which the Spirit influences you. One scholar writes, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, commenting on Romans 8, are the children of God. Another way, place where Paul says the same thing. And this is what he says. In neither verse, our verse or Romans 8.14, in neither verse does led by mean what it sometimes does in popular Christian parlance. A specific leading of the Spirit to do something. I feel led by the God to do this or that. The verb, this word here, this led by, it's not a, another imperative for you to accomplish no he writes this verb this word this led suggests the idea of being continually influenced by and directed by the spirit Mm. and best of all he doesn't simply assert that if you have confessed christ and received by faith all his merit and been given the spirit now to walk by the spirit being led by the spirit the best news of all it's not just that we are being led by the spirit and he's taking us through the the difficulties and the trials and all those things no he says we're not under the law we're not under the curse of the law we're right back to his whole argument chapters 1 through the middle of chapter 5 you're not under the law we're no longer subject to the rule of the law. We have been given the Spirit. We're free from the condemnation of the law. The power of the Spirit in our lives means that there is no longer, you no longer need the law. A law. code of ethics quite the opposite of what the troublemakers have been telling the Galatians is it not here's here's what they say Paul Paul another Douglas Moo wonderful theologian he says an implicit appeal to the Galatians right here verse 18 to reject the message of the agitators the troublemakers the circumcision party Here's what Paul is saying. You are under the powerful influence and direction of God's Spirit. Why would you try to put yourself under a law? You're under the powerful influence and direction of the Spirit. Why try to put yourself to squash the monster with a law? What's the Gospel say? It is finished. What's the Gospel say? But that you are free. You're out of the grout race. You're off the gerbil wheel. (laughs) And so back to our first question. Second question. Does your sin ever make you question whether or not you're a Christian? (laughs) Certainly some degree if you're not experiencing any disturbing conflict in your soul but even if that conflict the civil war is raging and you're worried you're going to walk out here and tonight you're going to do the same thing again either way the answer is found in the same the same solution the yes but solution Are you worried that you might not be a Christian because of your sin? Are you a Christian because you keep sinning? And the answer is flee to the Savior and allow his spirit to transform every fiber of your body and soul. Be spiritually empowered people. Christians are spiritual people. And live in the good. Of the spirit that's leading you out of condemnation out of the curse of the law and as paul writes others it's written all over the savior says into an abundant life an eternal life a free life with jesus following him walking beside him walking by the spirit would you pray with me We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and celebrate this good news. Father, we we rejoice that You are at work in us. We're grateful that we are living in the age of the Spirit and that the Spirit is alive and active in us. We see it at work in us. We see Him at work in us. Lord, I pray you You would prevail over our sinful flesh and desires you'd prevail even over our sinful feelings and emotions we would walk by the spirit and been walking by the spirit we would no longer satisfy satisfy the cravings of our flesh fill us with your spirit lord we pray even as we reflect on your son and what he's done for us in jesus name amen